Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast of Venture Church in South Mississippi. Find out more about us at VentureChurch.org. Well, hey, everyone. We're so excited that you're joining us today. Thank you for spending a little bit of your time, your week here with us at Venture. We want to welcome everyone in right here at our Lincoln Road campus over at the Hunt Club, our Stone County campuses, and my family down on the Gulf Coast. Man, I miss you guys. Love you guys. We also want to welcome everyone who is tuning in right now, wherever you are, online. Welcome to Venture. I know that we have a crew of people, my friend Jackson over in Kisitown, Kenya, who's watching with his friends and family. They've been watching for the past few months, tuning in with Venture. And so I'm so excited what God is going to do today. My name is Blake. I have the honor and the privilege of being on the team here at Venture, specifically at the Gulf Coast campus. And man, God has been doing incredible things, not just at our campus, but church-wide. It's been really cool to see how even in the midst of like this COVID craziness, that's what I've been calling it, the COVID crazy, God is still moving, amen? And I think it's because no matter what is thrown in our life, no matter what takes place, God still reigns. And so today I want us to look at that for just a few minutes together. And one other thing that I'm really excited about is house churches. It's so cool that in the midst of all of this craziness with COVID and election season and all the things going on, God saw fit to move our church into a new paradigm of ministry. And here's what I'm believing. I'm believing that as house churches launch this week, this Wednesday at 630, find one that's closest to you, that as God launches house churches, we are going to see a season like never before, a season of community, a season of discipleship, a season of our church coming together, not just simply to receive the word, right, but to be the church. Because if there's anything that this world needs right now, that it needs more of, it's not arguments, it's not craziness, it's Jesus. And I believe that he's going to allow us to see that through house churches. And so another thing that we're starting today is a brand new message series called Sincerely. We're going to be looking at the letters of the New Testament. I'm really excited about this because if you're like me, sometimes with the New Testament, it can be a little difficult to, to read through the text, right? If you try to get up early one morning, I have these seasons where I'm like, man, I'm getting up early, I'm rolling, and as soon as I do, like I get a cup of coffee, it's like 5 o'clock in the morning, I open up to a a chapter of scripture, and like 15 minutes later, I find myself asleep, and I try to like wake myself up. I'm like, no, 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 it's game time. Like, it's game time. It can be a little difficult to dive in to the New Testament and the letters specifically alone. And so our church, we're like, all right, we're going to dive in together. And so we're going to look every Sunday at a new book of the Bible. We're going to dig into it together in house churches. And then through our daily reading plans, we're going to look at each individual chapter. And so today we're going to be starting in one of my favorite books of the Bible. It's called Philippians. And Philippians is really unique because the, the author, Paul, is writing about joy. It's interesting because he mentions joy, rejoicing, 16 times in four chapters. In just four chapters, he mentions it 16 times. But what makes it so interesting is this. While he's writing about joy and being joyful and rejoicing in the faith, he's, he's locked up in jail. He's in prison. He's chained up. And I find that really interesting because for myself, I have a tendency to lose my joy really easily. Like I can lose my joy if I go to the pantry and there's no sour cream and onion chips. And so for Paul to be writing about the fact that he's in prison and he can still have joy in the faith is astounding to me. And it made me start to wonder, how can we have the truest joy in our lives? How can we gain the same thing Paul talks about? And so today we're going to be focusing in on chapter 2, specifically 11 verses. 
The entire chapter, the entire book of Philippians revolves around these 11 verses. You know, Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, and they actually send him a gift which prompts him to write the letter back. And the church at Philippi, they're a great church. They send gifts, and they are loving, but they're facing some division. They're facing some unity that's kind of breaking apart. They're facing some divisiveness that Paul wants to talk about. And instead of trying to just mend the tension by conflict management, he talks about something different. He talks about having joy. And so let's dive in together, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And you're going to find that this is probably one of the greatest 11 verses of Scripture. It's powerful. It's beautiful especially towards the very end. It always gets me excited. Let's read verse one. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Remember that. We'll come back to it later. Who, being in the very nature of God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. But this is where it gets good, y'all. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Today, we're gonna be looking at an upside down journey to true joy. How do we find true joy in our lives? It's going to answer is going to surprise you, but first let's pray together. Father, we love you, and we pray that, the, that your word would speak to us today, that in the middle of all the noise that comes along with this season, that you would cut through it and that we would see you and you alone, that we would experience your truth today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, and everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, you know, in fourth grade, I wasn't that really good at sports. I was actually pretty terrible. My hand-eye coordination was awful. My hand-foot coordination was also terrible. But what I lacked in coordination, I made up for in reading, right? And so there was always a time in fourth grade that whenever I would want to go to the playground that I wouldn't, like, be picked for any of the dodgeball or the kickball squads. Like, it was always like, nah, just don't pick Blake. He's not really that good. Like, you don't want him on your team. And so I found myself isolated a lot on the playground. And so I was like, well, you know, I can do some reading, and there was a thing called accelerated reader back in my day. Does anybody know what accelerated reader is? Essentially, you read a book, you take a test on the computer to get points for a book, and then if you went to the school that I did, if you got enough points, you, did, you got what was like the greatest thing of all. You got to ride in a limo to eat Ryan's buffet. Hallelujah. Blake, short, squatty Blake was like lived for that moment. Where we got to go up. So in second grade, like I read all the books, got all the points, and I won. Third grade, got all the books, got all the points, and I won. Fifth grade, sixth grade, you're like, Blake, why'd you skip fourth grade? Well, the reason is because in that season, I was kind of having an existential crisis, if you will, if a fourth grader can have that. And so on the playground, I was like, man, I really want some friends. I need to, like, get in the game. And so a friend of mine came up to me and said, Blake, 
I will be your friend on the playground if you take an accelerated reader test for me. And I was like, oh, deal, straight up. So what I started doing was I started reading these huge books, like the Hardy Boys series, all this kind of stuff, and I began taking tests for people on the computer. They would give me their numbers, I would take their tests, and then our class just looked brilliant because everybody had all the points in the world, and I, on the playground, I went from zero to hero, let me tell you. Everybody was like walking around me, I had the line formed behind me because I was taking the test for everybody. We had this like fourth grade mafia thing going on. It was like subversion with the teacher and everything until the person who was always in second place in the accelerator reader contest ratted me out, and she told the teacher, and I remember that moment like it was yesterday. The teacher looked at me and said, Blake, why would you do this? You were taking tests for nearly all of the class. Why were you like, all the girls were all of a sudden started reading Hardy Boys? Like, what's going on here? And I remember looking at her in the eyes and I said this, I was just trying to find a way to be happy. That's what I said to her. This is a fourth grader. But isn't that what we still do today? I know that it was crazy that Blake would try to find happiness through taking tests and accelerated reader, but isn't that still how we try to find joy today? We try to manufacture it. We try to make it happen. We've always heard this term, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, right? But what if the journey is upside down? What if the way to find true joy in our life isn't about trying to manufacture it, but rather it's an upside down view, an upside down journey to joy. That's what Paul writes about when he's telling us about Jesus' life. Because here's what he understands. He understands that as creations in this world, we will do three things to try to find happiness. First, we will say, I see this thing, and it leads to, I want this thing. And the third thing we say is, I have to have it. It will make me happy. I have to have this. But what we don't realize is this, this is the enemy's scheme all along. This is what he's been trying to, to help manipulate us into is by saying, starting with our pride, saying, I see this, me, I see it, leads to our selfishness, I want it, which ultimately leads to divisiveness and destruction, the same thing that the church of Philippi was experiencing, I have to have it. And so Paul says, no, you look, this is a tale as old as time, the enemy wants you to do this because you look at his life, at his experience. He was like, I want to be in Isaiah 14. I want to be like the most high. So I will try to be like the most high and I'm going to do anything to have it led to his demise and his destruction. So what does he do? He goes to Adam and Eve and he says the same exact thing. Do you want to be like God? And Adam's like, well, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I'd like to have the knowledge of good and evil. And so he sees this, he wants it and he has to have it leads to being cast out of the garden of Eden. And so what does Paul say? In verse 5, it says this. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So if we want to start the journey to joy in our lives, no matter what the circumstances may be, we have to have the mindset of Christ. What does that look like? How do we have the mindset of Christ? Well, a couple of other translations use the word attitude, have the same attitude that Christ had. And other translations use the outlook have the same outlook as Christ Jesus. Here's what we have to understand, is that our outlook determines our outcome. And so if we have an outlook of pride that the enemy, the world would want us to have, that traditional way to happiness, which is, which is hollow, which is empty, then we say, my outlook is I see it, I want it, I have to have it. But if we have the mindset of Christ, we have his outlook. And so if we have the same outlook as Jesus, we will have the same outcome 
that he had, which is true joy. So thankfully, Paul didn't just go on and say, all right, have the mindset of Christ. Y'all have a great day. But he actually gives us steps. He actually gives us the journey of Jesus. So what do we see? The first thing that we see in verse 6 of Philippians is Jesus' humility. This is astounding to me when I read this text. And in verse 6, it says this, Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. This is the first step to true joy, is humility. When we look at the life of Jesus, we see that in his deity, he needed nothing. There was absolutely no reason that he needed to put aside the privileges of his deity. Notice I said, I said, put aside the privileges. He didn't put aside his deity. He put aside the privileges that came along with being God. He had no reason to do that. So why did he? It's because he was thinking of us. He knew that there needed to be someone to stand in the gap, to bridge the gap between our hopelessness and God's glory. And so thinking of us, he took on the very nature of a servant. He was humble. Jesus is God. But he didn't think of that as something to be taken to his own advantage. The key in humility, a lot of people say it this way, that humility isn't about thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less, right? But I would go on to say that true humility is having the mindset that is focused on other people. But Jesus didn't stop there. He moved on. He didn't just let it stay with his mind, but it moved on to his actions. Verse 7, it says, who, being in the very nature of God, didn't see equality with God as something to be taken advantage of, but rather he made himself nothing by taking on the form of a what? Of a servant. And so in our own lives, we can see that on the true journey to joy, we take a step into humility. We start thinking about other people. We start focusing in on their needs, and we start serving them. Jesus' ministry said this the whole time, Matthew 20, 28. He says this, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for, as a ransom for many. His whole ministry was about service to fishermen to harlots, to tax collectors, to the sick, anyone that needed a voice for the voiceless, he was there to serve. So what does this look like for us? We have to step into a mode of saying, okay, I'm going to focus my needs away from me, and I'm going to focus on the needs of others. I'm going to serve them actively. This is why I'm excited about house churches. Because this is an opportunity that we as a church have to get into our neighborhoods, to get into our families, to get into our communities and begin saying, I know that I need things, but I'm going to cast that aside. I'm not going to take the privileges that I have of being a Christian. I'm going to lay that to the side and I'm actively going to give my life for the people around me. I'm going to serve my family. I'm going to serve my kids. And in this, we begin to move into the third place. True humility, when we focus on others, we have to start saying this. It's not about I will. It's about thy will. And when we make that shift, true joy starts to bubble to the surface. Because immediately we begin to peel back the layers of pride and selfishness that would want to mute true joy in our lives. And we begin to see that our life is about serving God. Our purpose in life isn't about success. It's about service. Why? Because it leads ultimately to God's glory. 
This is where true joy is found. God's glory. I want us to see this. I want us to read this again because this is probably one of the most powerful few verses of Scripture. And I want you to imagine this. I want you to really take wherever you are today, just take a moment and pause and receive this. The last three verses of Philippians 2, 1 through 11, starting in verse 9. After Jesus had taken on the form of a servant, after he was obedient even to the point of death, to death on the cross, look at what happens as a result. It says this, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, every tongue will confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, if that's not something to get you excited in a crazy season, I don't know what is. Jesus is Lord. But I love these last seven words that it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 11. Seven words that change everything about our perspective in life. Everything that Jesus was pointing towards in his ministry, in his death, and his resurrection can be wrapped up in seven words. To the glory of God the Father. If you want to experience truest joy in your life, humble yourself. Move away from pride. Move away from selfishness. Move away from the things that would trap you in your own mindset. Begin to humbly serve other people for a purpose to the glory of God, the Father. You see, true joy in our lives is found when we give God the most glory. That's it. That's the key. That's what Paul was saying. It's not about trying to manufacture it in our lives. It's not about trying to manufacture happiness, but rather it's the upside of down. What we find when we humble ourselves and we go lower and we give God glory is that joy begins welling up in our lives like never before. And no matter what circumstance you may face, no matter what your family situation may look like, no matter what is going on in your life, that joy will be unshakable. Just like Pastor Jeff mentioned last week, if having unshakable faith is steeped in having truest joy. And to have that, we just give God glory. You see, joy isn't about the possessions that we gain. That's what culture would want to tell us. The joy is about accumulation. Joy is about status. Joy is about the things that we receive. It's not about that. Joy isn't about the possessions or the things that we gain. But it's about the praise that we give. Because I love that Jesus was exalted to the highest heavens. Jesus was given the name of that is above every name. He received exaltation. But in the end, it was to the glory of God, the Father. So for us, what does it look like today as we move out of this place Wherever we're tuning in from, whatever campus, whatever location, maybe you're on your couch. Today, you can make a step and say, okay, God, I'm not going to focus in on my pride. I'm not going to focus in on the things that I need, but I'm going to focus in on you and on you alone. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to serve other people so that you can receive the glory. Because there's another translation that, that puts the mindset verse like this. It says, have this mind amongst yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. I love the way that they word that. The reason why is this, the joy that you've been searching for, the joy that seems so hard to find in this season is already yours. 
If you believe in Jesus and you have given your life fully over to him, the joy that you seek is yours. You don't have to find it. You don't have to manufacture it. You don't have to seek it out. It is already inside of you. It is everything that you need. That is why Paul says this mindset is yours in Jesus. But why? It's because sometimes we like to put our pride and selfishness on top. And in this upside-down journey to joy, when we begin to dig all of that out by saying, I know it's not about me, it's not I will, but thy will, I'm going to move it all aside, that joy begins to swell up in us. And we find out that it's been there all along because we give honor and glory and praise to a good father. There's a quote I want to leave you with today. It's by Andrew Murray. And he says this, here is the path to higher life. Down, lower down. Just as water always seeks and fills the lowest place, so the moment God finds men humble and empty, his glory and power flow in to exalt and to bless. So wherever you are today, I don't know what your story is. I don't know what you're going through. Maybe you're feeling some very intense hurt right now. Maybe you can't find joy. Maybe joy is far from you, and you don't know how to receive joy in the midst of all this craziness, in the midst of all this pain and this chaos, I'm here to tell you something today. That the true journey to joy isn't about manufacturing and pride and selfishness, which leads to destruction, but it's about lowering and humbling ourselves to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords when we start saying, Lord, it's all about you. It's not about me. I'm humbling myself to you. And I give everything that I have to give you glory because my life is not about my success. It's about my service. And the truest joy is found when we can say these seven words to ourselves. My life is to the glory of God the Father. Would you pray with me? Lord, we honor you. And in this place today, we may not know everything that's going on in everyone's life, but there is one thing that I do know is that heartache and pain are evident in this world today. And God, I pray that through humility and sacrifice and service that we see through your son, thank you for your son, that we can begin to move into a place of joy that is unshakable, joy that is not determinant on our path, but it is completely determined on the purpose that you've given us, which is to give you glory. And so, Lord, now I pray that you would fill the hearts of the people who are hearing my voice in every room, in every state, in every country, at every computer screen, that joy would begin to well up like a river. That we would have a picture in our minds of the King of kings and the Lord of lords seated at the right hand of the Father, and we say, it is worth it for you. Nothing in this world can affect the joy that we have in Jesus. Thank you, Father. We love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Venture Church Podcast. To find a campus near you, check out VentureChurch.org.